We have two scripture readings this morning. The first is from Psalm 37, and this is a lengthy one, 40 verses. And then our text for this morning from Matthew 5, we'll read the entirety of the Beatitudes and the the follow-up to the Beatitudes, verses 1 to 12. But our text is from verse 5 of this passage. Blessed are the meek, or blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. But let's hear, first of all, you'll hear this phrase several times. Listen for it, if you would. This is what, well, you, you'll hear it when it happens. But Psalm 37, several times over, this phrase, the meek shall inherit the earth, or you shall inherit the land, is emphasized. Let's hear God's word, Psalm 37. It's a psalm of David. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous." The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain remain forever. They are not to put they are not put to shame in evil times. In days of famine they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory that the glory of the pastures, they vanish. They, like smoke they vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young. And now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken 
or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. The children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of the Lord is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be cut altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Hear also the words in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so persecuted the prophet, they persecuted the prophets before, who were before you. This ends the reading in God's word. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of your great love shown through him. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit bringing that work of Christ to us. And bless us now in the hearing of your word. How grateful we are for hearing of your great love and your great care for your own people, even through times of difficulty. Our Father, we pray that you would continue to bless your people. Bless us as we hear, as we have heard that word, but now as we hear that that word proclaimed. We ask that you would hear us in Jesus' name. Amen.
The Beatitudes, as I've mentioned before, and I'm going through this, as many of you know, uh, Beatitude by Beatitude in the Sermon on the Mount. The The Beatitude, if you get the world's view of it, the Beatitudes have everything upside down. The Beatitudes just don't fit this world. The way of blessing from our God is just not the way of hope that is in this world. The world's happiness, and that's what the word blessed means. It means unusually happy, to be congratulated. It's a wonderful word. Of course, again, there are two different words for blessing in the the Bible. Old and New Testament both have the same contrast. One of the words is, uh, it means simply uh, a, a eulogy. In fact, that's sort of the Greek word is a foundation for that, a eulogy, to speak well of someone. We hear it at funerals. But we bless God as well. We speak well of our God. We eulogize Him, not as a, someone who is dead, but as someone who is definitely alive. But the word for blessing here is another word that means happy, unusually happy. Happy, A happiness that the world can't give, a happiness that lasts forever as we see the answers to what is happiness. And then what is the condition in us from which that happiness comes? Happy are the poor in spirit. The world doesn't see it that way. The world sees it in the sense that I have a real hold on myself. I know who I am and I have purpose in life and I'm going to make a real purpose of that life. Now, in the right context, that may not be bad. Because I'm getting toward the answer for what is meekness. Well, that's not the attitude of meekness. But poor in spirit means I have poverty of spirit. I can't save myself. I can't do a thing to get into heaven. It's Christ alone who brings me to heaven. And so yours is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Oh, for what? We cry for a lot of things, don't we? There are a lot of things in our lives that don't go our way, and we may weep on a lot of things. But the things we're mourning about here have to do with our sinfulness and our own helplessness. Blessed are those who mourn. And how happy can we be? They'll be comforted. You'll be comforted. And today we come to this third one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Some of your translations say gentle. And we'll get into that in just a moment, the different ways in which the word meek is used in the Bible. And just what it means. What to be meek. Blessed are the meek. I want to emphasize as well, before I even get into this, Memorize these. Memorize Matthew 3 through 10. Chapter 5, chapter 3 through 10. Memorize the Beatitudes. They're great. 
It's like memorizing the Ten Commandments. In many ways, they tell us who we are, who Jesus says we are. And when all is said and done, we're going to see, and this seems strange to say, who Jesus was. He was meek. Come to me, all you who are laden. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Jesus is the one in whom that is pictured. Now, you can't, be, you can't just pick and choose the Beatitudes. Martin Lloyd-Jones was real clear on that one. And again, I've mentioned him here, and I know some of you really appreciate Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he has a commentary on the Beatitudes, and he says, of all these eight Beatitudes, he says, all Christians are to be like this, not just super-Christians, because everyone is a saint. All are holy in Christ. He also says, all Christians are to manifest all of these Beatitudes. So every one of the Beatitudes should be picturing you, me, we as a church. And none of these descriptions refer to what we may call a natural tendency. Nothing is natural here in terms of the world's idea of natural. These are all from God. These are all of God's grace given to us. And they also indicate the utter, clearly, essential difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. You want to give witness to Christ in this world? Here you have the picture of it in your own life. And here you have the reason for it in your own life. You couldn't have these except for Christ. Christ gives all of these to you by his grace. You who see yourselves as sinners, turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on you. Blessed. Sinclair Ferguson says, divinely happy. A covenant blessing. What is meekness? We're going to look at a number of verses today. Well, some from the Old Testament you get the idea of meekness. And the word meek here that is used can be translated a number of different ways. To be low, humble, gentle, meek, poor, afflicted. The word is used in all of these ways. In the New Testament, the word meek is also a mild, friendly disposition. Gentle, mild, considerate, meek. Gentle, unassuming. It's another word for gentle. First Peter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to do the to the good and gent not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. 
There's another word for gentle. But the word meekness, as we're going to see what is what what isn't meekness. Our understanding of meekness is that we just kind of go with the flow, we just kind of move with the whatever. Use an illustration. I probably might have used it here before, but uh, I'll use it again if I did. But uh, one thing that really struck me, we were in Maine for a good number of years, and our youth camp was uh, at a convergence of the Kennebec River and the Adriscoggin, just up north of Bath. And uh, the one river came down from Mary Meeting Bay, and it came through a narrow channel right alongside our camp. And, of course, the, uh, we would see the water rushing through there to head out to the ocean. Except we're near the ocean. Here on the radio, you get your cattle futures, your hog futures, and your grain futures, and that kind of thing. In Portland, Maine, or in the Maine coast, you get the times of the high tide and the low tide. We don't get that here on radio. But twice a day, it's shocking. You actually see water going uphill. We don't see water going uphill. That's not the way it works. But yet, when we come to that narrow spot, the water is rushing through there backwards. Going back into Mary Beating Bay. And come low tide, it's rushing back through again. Now there's a pull on our lives that enables us only to live according to God's grace, and that's by God's grace. So often we feel like our lives are swimming upstream, going against the tide. It's God who gives us the ability to swim against that tide. Against the world and its opinions, against the world and its poll-taking of what's popular at this time. A man in the Old Testament who was known for his meekness and gentleness is Moses. In fact, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's King, the King James says, Now Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Moses is meek. And you begin to see the meekness of Moses. He was a leader. Did he stop being a leader? No, he didn't stop being a leader. He knew he was a leader. He took the bull by the horns, as it were. As it were. He took God's grace and worked with God's grace by faith. He took what God had for him. And he led. Was he a person who always drew attention to himself? And the answer is No. You know that's not the case. You can know that from the stories. He could have been someone in Egypt. 
being raised in Pharaoh's house. He had the education of the best of the Egyptians. And yet, in in Hebrews 11, it says, verse 24, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked for the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." It's hard to read that and not think of people in other parts of the world who are enduring great suffering for their faith and still look to the Lord Jesus Christ, don't turn away from it, and are willing to die for their faith. Meekness is a word that describes them, as meekness is a word that describes Moses. Meekness is not going with the flow. Who else is known for his meekness? Christmas is a time we hear that word meek, probably more than other times of the year. But Mary and her meekness. And then Jesus in his meekness. What kind of people were they looking for? What kind of Messiah was Israel looking for? And you've heard that in many sermons already, I'm sure. You know, they were looking for someone who'd come in on a war horse. With chariots behind him, with an army behind him. Well, that army will come one day, and that's going to be the angels of heaven as Jesus Christ comes again. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Even in his triumph, he didn't come riding on a war horse. He came riding. See, the king comes, Matthew 21. He comes to you, gentle or meek, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Isaiah pictured to him, here is my servant, verse chapter 42, whom I delight, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoking wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. Even in the Old Testament, the picture of the Messiah is there. Jesus is that picture of the meek. Paul's example, as he calls on us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. This is the picture of the Christian's character. It's the character we seek to emulate. 
The character of Zechariah 2, verse 3, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility or meekness. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. And we don't. We can go to the Beatitudes for that word. We could also go to the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, meekness and self-control, depending on what translation you have. Self-control, meekness is, goes hand in hand with self-control. As you love one another in the church, meekness stands out. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, meek, be patient, bearing with one another in love. When you hear God's word, James 1.21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly with meekness. Accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It's a picture in which, as Christians, there are times we think we have the upper hand in an argument. Really, we do have the upper hand, but as Christians showing meekness, how do we understand this verse? Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself that you also may be tempted. When you witness to someone, present the gospel to someone. Always be prepared, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness, meekness, and respect. You see, all the ways in which meekness is used and all the different circumstances, meekness is used, gentleness is used. It marks the Christian. It marks the Christian in their walk. It doesn't mean that we deny the gifts that God may have given to us. Some have great gifts in math. Some have great gifts in writing. Some have great gifts in in putting things together. They work well with their hands. The meek don't deny these things. They don't just boast about them. They do the work God has given to them. And when you have the upper hand in an argument, as it were, in terms of what does the gospel say, how do you convince the other side? By pounding on with words or with a gentle spirit? Acknowledging Jesus Christ alone. I know throwing off over the tables in the temple, that, that's, a, that's a picture of Christ that 
Seems like we really have it in hand here. No, we don't have it in hand. Jesus was angry. And for the person for whom everything that temple represented, he had the right to do so. But the way he dealt with others was very meekly. And what is the blessing? For they will inherit the earth. Three times over you've heard it in Psalm 37, verse 9, verse 11, verse 22. That was Moses' hope. Not the treasures of Egypt, but the blessing of God's promise was Jesus' hope. Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Meekness and joy together. Even though he knew what he had to endure, he was a man of meekness who went the way that God had purposed for him that God had given to him. Though he cries out and we hear from the depths of his heart in the garden, we know from the depths of of his heart, he also says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. He meekly submitted to his God the strength that God had given to him for the purpose he gave. And Jesus did it in order that we might not just have long life on this earth. That is part of the idea here. It's part of the fourth command, of the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. And yes, as you honor those who are in leadership over you, as you deal with people in a meek and a caring and an honest way, you're going to see a blessing as you deal meekly in your life. But it doesn't promise exactly that everybody who does that is going to live forever on this earth or that we will die at an old age. What it does promise, though, is that Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, we have our hope in him. And our life is going to be a life forevermore in him. As we meekly look at what he has done for us and live by it. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate, Hebrews 13, to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through the Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Yes, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. A new heavens and a new earth. What's that going to look like? I don't know. What's a new earth going to look like? 
Many people on their bucket list want to see the Grand Canyon. Whatever it is, the new earth is going to have something better than that. And more impressive. And a new heaven. That's what God has purposed for us. The meek inherits that. The meek, even death, will not hold you from that. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, neither life nor death, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Blessed are the meek. Look to Christ, for they shall inherit the earth. Is that your promise? I know you came today because it is your promise. The promise is through Christ. And that's the picture of the promise that you have wanted. And it's yours in Christ. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word you have given to us. We thank you for the blessing of our Savior. We thank you for teaching us, Lord, the humility of our Savior. Uh, He who was rich and he who had all the blessings and far beyond what the greatest blessings people on earth can even think. And yet, Lord, we know that these are ours in him. And out of your great love and grace, you have come to us that we might have them. Open our hearts, Lord, to see our own poverty. Open our hearts to mourn. Open our hearts to be meek. It is of your grace that we can do so. For our Savior also has shown it and brings it to us by your Spirit. Bless us now as we hear your promises today and as we look toward the blessing of those promises in the sacrament. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.